the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. At Barracuda. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy explains suffering grace. God often answers our prayers, but not in the fashion we prayed them. See, when it comes to answers to prayer, I think God sometimes says go, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says slow. Where God says, okay, we're going to get there, but not right now. I'm going to grow your patience. Most of us are familiar with the phrase, a thorn in the flesh. Sometimes we use it to refer to a person, a situation, or a physical condition. It was first used by the Apostle Paul to describe his ongoing affliction that God chose not to remove, despite Paul's fervent prayer. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we're continuing a series called Total Grace, and today's message is called The Strength of Weakness. Philip is giving us a grace-filled perspective for enduring our own trials. We're in a series called Total Grace. We're learning that grace underwrites the whole Christian experience from the moment we come to Christ, coming after Christ, to being with Christ. It's all a matter of grace. And we have been looking at several aspects of God's grace in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. I want us to learn that God's grace is more than enough for you and I to bear whatever burden God sends and sanctions our way what I call suffering grace. God can give us grace to suffer. In fact, suffering handled correctly will see an increase of grace in our lives. We're going to look at four things. The providence, the prayer, the promise, the perspective. Let's look at the providence. As we've said, Paul's credentials and character are being questioned. He reluctantly plays the trump card. He tells him about an experience where he was personally raptured to heaven. But remember, we shouldn't be surprised. In the second half of the telling of this story, Paul speaks about a thorn in the flesh given to him to humble him, to keep him from pride. Therefore, the telling of the vision of paradise is simply a segue in his desire once again the glory in his weakness and humble service for Christ. In fact, this is where I get my first thought. The providence, he's admitting that this thorn in his flesh as a result of his visit to heaven is a providence. It was given to me, although a messenger of Satan, it was given to me implication by God. And you know what? It has humbled me. And I have learned that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. This is what I call the providence, verse 7. 
Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He prays for its removal. He struggles through this. It remains and he comes to see God's got a providence and a purpose in this. It's painful. It's hurtful. Now, as we look at the picture of the thorn, what was it? Well, Paul doesn't tell us. The picture is ambiguous. We don't know. But the purpose is not ambiguous. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Let's stop. Paul's saying, in the light of the fact, I went to the third heaven. He tells us what the third heaven was. It was paradise. It was the presence of God. An experience second to none. And he's embarrassed to kind of let it out. Now, he's kept it a secret for 14 years. But even here, he turns it to say, the end of the story is humility, infirmity, and in that I glory. The thorn produced a natural weakness in Paul that produced a supernatural strength in Paul through grace. In fact, as I was studying this, I came across a sermon by Warren Wearsby, whose writings I thoroughly enjoy. In his book, Truth on Its Head, he makes this point. It's very helpful. That when God disciplines us, when God allows suffering in our life, when God allows persistent pain or illness, when God allows people to make life uncomfortable, when God sends setback, He often has several purposes. And Wearsby identifies one. I knew one, but I didn't know the other. On the one hand, God sometimes disciplines us to correct our past sins. God will use suffering or trouble in our life to bring us back in the line, to humble us. So God uses discipline to correct past sins. But he said this, and this was fresh to me. He uses discipline to prevent future sins. And that's what was happening in Paul's life. It looks like Paul had done a reasonable job of managing the temptation to pride, of going on the tour as the man who went to heaven and come back, and he'll sign copies of the book in the foyer. But it was still a reality, and God had used a thorn to help that from happening. And it prevented Paul from future sins, from sins that he could commit but hasn't yet committed. So sometimes God disciplines us. God allows trouble in our life to deal with sins we have committed. But the beauty of this story is sometimes God allows hardship to keep us from committing sin, where we're shipwrecked on God. We feel our need of Him. So that brings us to the third thought, the providence of the thorn, the picture, the purpose, the providence. Because, you see, Paul acknowledges that while Satan had a hand in this thorn, while Satan is the immediate source, while Satan has targeted Paul with malice, God has permitted this. Much like God permitted Satan to touch Job back in Job 1 and 2, God has permitted, allowed, sovereignly designed that Satan can harass his servant, that Satan can give Paul a thorn, because God will use that to keep Paul humble, which will indeed open a door to a new experience of grace. And so while Satan is the immediate cause, the direct cause, God is the indirect cause. While it has come from Satan's hand, it has also passed first through God's hand. Because look at what the commentators call the divine passive While God is not identified in the text, he's there. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. 
As we've said, it's Job 1 and 2. God has given Satan permission to harm Paul. And God in his sovereignty will use Satan's harassment to keep his servant humble so that indeed in his weakness he might know strength. God is sovereign. And that means that Satan can only operate as far as God permits and within limits by God's divine hand. And that's what's going on here. We see the same, don't we, in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus where Jesus refers to his suffering in John 18, verse 16, the cup which the Father has given me. But elsewhere, we're told that he was taken by wicked hands and crucified. That cup had been prepared by human hate, but God had taken it, and it had first passed through his hand. Where even Jesus acknowledges that the cup has come from the Father's hand, although it's been filled by human hate and satanic opposition. So there's a providence here you don't want to miss. And there's a thought here we have talked about before, but I just want to underscore. You need to understand what Martin Luther, the reformer, understood, that even the devil is God's devil. Satan can even with malicious intent toward God's saints serve the purposes of God. Paul could have simply concluded that his suffering was a sinister act from below but he also saw it as a sovereign act from above. This thorn is a messenger of Satan to beat me down, but this thorn was given to me by a sovereign hand, and God has used it. So look, whatever's going on in your life, whatever God permits in your life, good, bad, or ugly, do remember this. There is such a thing as a good, bad. Paul's difficulty had divine design written all over it. That's why you need to embrace the idea there can be purpose in your pain. That just as with Joseph, what was meant for evil, God means it for good. That God works concurrently as the devil attacks you, as people hate you, as life turns upside down before you. God is still at work concurrently in the events that we have just described. That's why, by the way, you might need to be careful about automatically, as a matter of course, rebuking the devil and chasing demons when something bad happens to you. For as John MacArthur notes, we might thwart the purposes of God with our faulty assumptions. Because while this was clearly satanic in origin, it was also providential as an experience, a gift from God given to me granted to me, graced to me. So there is such a thing as a good, bad. And even in the midst of harassment or even oppression from below, you and I need to remind ourselves that the devil is God's devil. Erwin Lutzer, former pastor of many church, said this, Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Apparently he roars to frighten us. He stalks and plots against us. But like the lion at the zoo, he is only free within the parameters of his cage. He roams only where God permits. That gives you a sense of confidence in the midst of life's conflicts and challenges. And let's move on. The providence, the prayer, things will speed up here a little bit. Look at verse 8. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, what we have now concluded as this providence from God. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. The implication is God did not remove the thorn at Paul's request. In response to the thorn given 
to Paul to beat him down, Paul naturally prays for relief. There's nothing in this text that would indicate that this prayer was wrong, illegitimate. Paul prayed it three times. It was only after a period of time, either by direct revelation or by a sense of reading God's providence, that Paul began to conclude that this is a prayer God is not going to answer. It's not that the prayer wasn't legitimate. It would be a natural reaction to want this messenger of Satan that, at least on the face of it, seeks to do evil in Paul's life, seeks to harm him spiritually. It would only be natural to pray against that or to pray that God would relieve one from that. But as time goes by, Paul begins to conclude that the thorn's going to remain and that actually that rebuking Satan and chasing demons are not always God's will. And God allows his saints to be harassed and hurt because if dependence is the goal, weakness is the ally because hardship presses us hard upon God And as we lean hard upon God, we get a measure of His grace that allows us to be strong in the midst of our weakness. So the point we're we're going to get to and mention throughout this, when you've got trouble, it doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for relief. It doesn't mean if you get illness, you shouldn't go to the doctor. But what we're going to see is that over time, the thorn wasn't removed. So you should go to a doctor if you're sick. You can't pray to God for relief in the midst of your pain. But over time, the providence of God might make it clear to you, as with Paul, that the sickness will remain and the harassment will stay. But there's grace sufficient for it all. So we're at the prayer. Again, remember when Paul writes this, he's compressing time here. We're talking about something that has unfolded 14 years previous and unfolded over 14 years. He's writing with insight and hindsight. And with the passage of time, Paul has come to see that this thorn in the one hand is a weapon in the hand of Satan, but in the other hand, it's a tool in the hand of God. And that's why God didn't take the risk of removing it. And he didn't answer Paul's prayer the way Paul prayed it. Paul prayed three times because as we've said, it was reoccurring. Buffet me is in the present tense. This thorn in the flesh flared up on several occasions. Or by the way, just an interesting little footnote, it could be a deliberate allusion to Jesus' experience in Gethsemane. Jesus has his own cup. Jesus has his own crown of thorns to wear. And many times does he pray for the removal of that cup? Three times. But then he has to surrender to the apparent will of God, which is not my will be done, but your will be done. And he embraces the cup and he dies for our sin to glorify the Father and redeem us. We thank him for it. So God did not answer Paul's prayer and remove the thorn. Because God's like a wise parent. He doesn't always give his children what they think is best. Because what they think is best may not be best, but Father knows best. And the Heavenly Father knew best. Now, before we leave the prayer, just a couple of things to kind of drill down into. Number one, I think it's important just to note this. God does not always heal. I mean, that's clear implication, isn't it, from the text? I'm assuming Paul's at a good place spiritually. I'm assuming he's a man of faith. I'm assuming that he's walking in the Spirit. I mean, he's an effective servant of God. In fact, he's a target for Satan and the demons of hell. 
But God doesn't answer Paul's prayer that I believe was offered out of a heart that loved God and out of a faith in God's ability. He prayed three times for it to depart, but it didn't. You see, there are those who would give you the impression, and those who prey on the immature and the desperate, that healing is a birthright. That if you're a Christian, God wants you healthy and wealthy. You've heard them. You've seen them. But I want to tell you, based on this text and other texts, our health and our happiness is not God's chief concern. Paul's sanctification, Paul's holiness, Paul's growth in grace was God's greatest concern here. The holiness of the inner man is always more important to God than the health of the outer man. The outer man is dying. Our bodies are wasting and we can't stop it. Take as many pills as you want. Put as much cream on as you want. You can't stop it. The outer man is dying. But the inner man can be renewed day by day. We can grow in grace and God can use thorns to have us lean on Him and leaning on Him in our need. He meets our need with sufficient grace. I read something a while ago. You need to write this down. I find it very helpful. I've quoted it to several people where a particular lady said something in an article I was reading where she said, God healed me of my need to be healed. It's a good statement. God healed me of my need to be healed. And it seems the same here with Paul. Paul prayed three times out of a heart that loves God, out of a faith in God's ability. He prayed three times that God would heal him, remove the thorn. But God healed him of his need to be healed. And he gets to a place in his life where he's thankful for that which he was once not thankful for, his weakness. He glories in his infirmity, his need, and his hardships. Number two, under this idea of the prayer, God often answers our prayers, but not in the fashion we prayed them. See, when it comes to answers to prayer, I think God will give you one of three, or I can make an argument, four answers. I think God sometimes says go, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says slow. What do we mean by go? God says yes, he gives you what you want or what you desire within His will. You get the green light. Sometimes God says no, either because the prayer is illegitimate, or even if it's legitimate, His wisdom is overruling your perceived wisdom, and He says no. Not good for you, not good now, good for someone else, but not you. And that's the red light. And then sometimes God says slow. That's the orange light, where God says, okay, We're going to get there, but not right now. I'm going to grow your patience. I'm going to see how much you want it. I'm going to have you pray a little bit longer. But God often answers our prayers not in the fashion we prayed them. So I think there's kind of a fourth option, what I call the no-go or the yes-no. What I'm going to argue, and I think the text will bear it out, God said no to the means by which Paul would get to the end of his prayer, which was relief from the thorn. But God said yes to the end, relief from the thorn, but he was going to do it another way. Relief from the thorn wasn't going to come by means of removal of the thorn, but by means of grace to bear it, to have the power of Christ rest on him. God answers our prayers often in a roundabout way. In fact, listen to D.A. Carson in his book on 2 Corinthians 12. 
In one sense, of course, God did indeed answer Paul's prayer, but not as the apostle wished. John Calvin rightly distinguishes between the means and the ends in prayer. The end that Paul wanted was relief from the thorn, and he simply assumed that the means would be the thorn's removal. But God granted the ends by another means. He gave relief from the thorn, not by removing it, but by adding more grace, sufficient grace. It's a great insight. So Paul gets to the end of his prayer. In one sense, God does answer his prayer. But in another sense, he doesn't answer Paul's prayer because his prayer was the removal of the thorn. But God gets him to the end of his prayer by giving him grace to bear that thorn. So much so that he will actually gladly rejoice in his infirmity. That's the change that happens. Look at verse 9. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity. I think there's an admittance there. Now, I wouldn't have said this several years ago, because several years ago, I'm praying for removal. I don't want the pain. I don't want the sickness. I don't want the opposition. I don't want the problem. But time proved that the thorn was going to remain. I didn't surrender to self-pity. I didn't become bitter with bitter providence. God did a work in my life where I came to see that God had answered my prayers in a roundabout way. And he says, I most gladly would rather boast in my infirmity. On the other side of it, I see God's wisdom. I see that God had given me this thorn in the flesh and God's using it to sanctify ends in my life. That raises a question, doesn't it? Are you willing to trust God with the answer? In an act of genuine faith, will you, like Paul, enthusiastically, willingly accept the will of God? Because Father knows best. There's no stoic acquiescence here. There's no grim resignation. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast of my infirmity. That's why we like the Confederate soldier's prayer, don't we, that was found just outside Gettysburg. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of man. I was given weakness that I might feel my need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. And here's the sentence. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. See him with Paul. He didn't get what he asked for directly, but he got what he had hoped for indirectly, which was relief. But the relief came through grace that cushioned the weakness. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. We're learning about the grace that strengthens us to suffer well. There's more to learn when you access all the messages in this Total Grace series. It's available at ktt.org. You can also order messages on CD when you call 888-644-8811. As Philip shared, God has a purpose for our pain, and He doesn't let us endure anything that He won't use for our best. Having this biblical perspective helps us to look at trials with hope and even positive expectation, knowing the results will be good. Looking at life from God's perspective is what author C.L. Chase does, and he's written a book Philip wants you to have. It's titled Grace-Focused Optimism. In this soul-stirring guide, Chase invites you to adopt a positive, resilient, biblical mindset. Don't fixate on your troubles when you can focus on God's grace for a life of hope and joy. The book is yours when you support the nonprofit ministry of Know the Truth. 
Make a donation of $25 or more and request Grace Focused Optimism. Just give us a call at 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. If you prefer to send a check, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Thanks for remembering that it's your generosity that fuels this ministry and sends Know the Truth out on the radio and the web, proclaiming the truth about God's total grace. And don't forget, take the Know the Truth listener survey. We've been telling you about it all month. It's your chance to let us know how we can serve you better. But don't delay, because in just a few days, we're closing out the survey to tally the results. You'll find the survey online at ktt.org. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Come back tomorrow when we'll be learning how God's grace transforms our suffering. That's coming up Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Sebastian Gorka is excited to start his own radio show. I'll be more excited to be joining the Salem team. This is the best faculty in talk radio. Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, Eric Metaxas. Wow. We love it. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA and weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer. You'll always get the straight story from Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Look at ISIS. Who, who talks about ISIS? ISIS was on the front page every day beheading people. But nobody talks about them. Why? Because we have leadership in the White House. We have Donald Trump who is reasserting American leadership in the world. Starting January 1st, it's America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA and weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.